Rick Shu here, friends from work. The Batman's been out one year and the future of the DCEU with the great Mark Hughes. Stay tuned. Everybody, come on, let's get down. Get down. Always a shout out to my friend Freak Bass for that music. Get down. All right, Mark Hughes. All right, Mark, I'm going to give a proper intro here for you. I'm great, buddy. So Mark is a screenwriter. He's helping develop the Court of the Dead animated series with Jay Olivia. Nice. Nice. And Sideshow Collectibles. He is also a contributing writer at Forbes. Great stuff over there where he covers film and TV in the movie business. And you can hear Mark discuss film and TV with Phil Moe. On their podcast, what's worth watching? Tell me about that podcast, buddy. Uh, well, it's my co. I, I do a lot of uh, right now. I'm developing a lot of uh, TV pilots and and uh, series ideas, including anime and live action, with my co-writer and my brother-in-law, Phil Mo. And I'm in LA. I'm LA based, and he's in Detroit. And uh, we started a podcast where we were. I guess we're 14 episodes deep in it now. We just we talk about movies and TV shows that we think are worth watching. So sometimes it's reviews, sometimes it's like a best list, sometimes uh we're we're doing retrospectives of anniversaries of movies. So just a whole lot of uh just discussion and analysis of films and streaming and telling giving you our recommendations on what you should watch. I love it. Do you know the first time that you and I did a podcast together? I think it was in 2014 or 15, and it never was aired. Do you remember that? We had yes. this great <laughs> one-on-one conversation. It was over at it, it was over at BOF, and it was uh, remember, we, yeah. we 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 talked Star Wars, and it was just the <laughs> two of us. And it was this great. I remember getting off, and I had this high, and it was so. We're going to we're going to be cursing here. It was so fucked up. We couldn't put it up on the air. And so that was our first. I forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) But we've had we've had a lot. We've had a lot of conversations since then, obviously. Um, And then I saw you. God, what year was that? 2018, I guess we hung out. Yeah. Yeah. It was a year or two before the pandemic. Yeah. Just that seems like a thousand years ago. Yeah, it's anything, anything pre-pandemic seems like a lifetime ago at this point for me too, yeah. Well, it's it just, there's a lot of things that have happened in my personal life since then and yours as well and professional lives. And that, that's what it is weird about getting older is like two or three years, there's like 20 years of experiences that get crammed into that now. It's, yes. remember we were kids, it wasn't like that. It was so compartmentalized and now it's just, whew, life is bananas yeah but. everything hits you and lately it's just everything hits at once uh and the older you get the more that's how it feels it's just it, it never stops really well look at us now we're grown-ups happily married men yeah and we're, ge- <laughs> we're geeking out about the same shit we've been talking about for 20 something years um yeah. on that note the you know coming full circle at the top of this you know, we 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 talked over at a Batman centric podcast. So I want to start this show off with something Batman related. Then I want to kind of toss it to you. Uh, I know that your listeners and your readers are huge fans of your, yours for a good reason, because you have razor sharp analysis. And uh, that's what I've always loved about you. Even when times we may not agree on on set analysis, 
you never walk away going, Mark's not doing his homework or Mark doesn't know what he's talking about. Thank you. I appreciate that. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that's yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm a blowhard, but you, you <laughs> actually are meticulous and know what you're talking about. But, uh, but let's talk about the Batman just briefly. That'll be a nice setup. So it's a year, right? I don't know if you and I really talked about it. We text when it first came out and just kind of give everybody watching and listening to this. And by the way, thank you for watching and listening to YouTube live right now. And it'll be up yeah, on thanks. soon. And if you're listening to this, you're already on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Um, so uh, what, what was your overall thoughts of the Batman? And then where do you kind of hope to see the Batman continuation of that Matt Reeves universe? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to not humble brag, uh, non-humble, I should say, brag that I saw the Batman. They set up a special screening uh, way in, in advance for a handful of us uh, at, on set with Matt Reeves and not on set. I'm sorry, at, at the lot. Warner Brothers lot with Matt Reeves and everyone. And they had, I have to say Warner Brothers, every time I've been over there, their COVID precautions, it's, I mostly avoid events, but they are very meticulous about their COVID precautions and took it very seriously. So I felt entirely safe the whole time we were there. Uh, they did testing and of everybody as you came on the set, on the lot and everything. Um, nice. So watching it in that environment, like the anticipation, I already was, yeah, before Matt Reeves took over, I spent a few years banging the drum that he was the director I thought should be take over the Batman franchise. So I didn't even have a backup uh, second choice for it. I just refused to accept that anybody but him was acceptable for it. That sets you up for failure if you have a backup, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, I was nervous because I was, man, I, I went into it thinking, I know what I'm expecting and anticipating, but I hope it lives up to that. So the fact that it surpassed that, and it was, for me, I realized I'm back to where things were with the Nolan universe. I'm getting exactly what I'm wanting. And I know that for some fans, that's at the expense of their preference for Batman, but we've had plenty of different versions of Batman. We're going to have plenty more coming, of course, <laughs> a lot of different ones in the next yeah. But this is my, this is, the, I believe it's the best Batman movie to date, even better than what my previous pick was Batman Begins. Uh, and this is Ooh. my movies. This is, I think, the best Batman movie. It's my favorite. It's literally the exact Batman movie that I've wanted and that we've talked about since back forever ago when we talked on the boards and everything. I mean, sure. this, is, this is the movie. This was it. And it's the filmmaker that I most wanted to see make it. And he gave me the Batman movie that I had been waiting for the way that Batman begins was the Batman origin movie that I'd waited my whole life for. Nice. Know? I love it. And you are unapologetically a Snyder fan and a yeah. fan of Batman versus Superman, uh, uh, Snyder's Justice League, etc. And so when you say this, this is not coming from that faction of like anti-Snyder Phantom or whatever. You, right. You, you appreciate all the live action. So this is just your uh, your ultimate Batman film. That's very cool. Yeah. For me, yeah. I, 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 I love it. And I saying you have to pick. I resent anyone who implies that I have to fucking pick and that if I'm a fan, if I'm a Snyder fan, I can't be a James Gunn fan and a Matt Reeves fan. I'm just like, if that's how you see the world, then, you know, congratulations for having the most narrow blinders I've ever seen in a fan. But go right ahead, live your best life in the narrow parameters you set for yourself. But don't tell me I'm not a fan of one or the other or can't be a fan of both because I love all this shit. So 
I wish I had an actual producer. I could snap my fingers. They could do a big applause thing. Because <laughs> think about it, Mark. And we'll we'll go down a rabbit hole with this discussion. So I'll, I'll keep it on the surface. We'll keep it. We'll keep it trite here. Uh, but just think about the comics, right? The origin of the character. How many different writers and incarnations of the character have we had all these decades? Endless, right? Endless. Yeah. And in yeah. live action, we've had endless go to Batman 66 to the to 89 to Dark Knight to Batman and Robin, everything in between Lego Batman, etc. Of course, that's not live action, but you get my point. It's yeah. why is it that some fans are stuck on this one vision when the vision is there? It's never going away. No one can take that away from them. No one can ever take those films away from any of us. And it's just now a different incarnation with a different uh, a storyteller. That's how it's always been. If you really want to get. Yeah. You know, technical, it's how it's always been. So anyway, I appreciate that because that's what's that's the difference, I think, sometimes also in being a Batman fan first than maybe being a fan of a particular filmmaker. And I don't just mean Snyder. It could be Nolan. It could be anybody. It could be Tim Burton. I, I've got friends right. that only like the Tim Burton films. <laughs> that's all they like, you know? Yeah. So it, Jeremy that's Levi, if you're listening, forever, I'm talking right? to you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been around long enough to know. We were having these arguments. People who were fans of Burton – and people who were fans of Nolan had knocked down drag out fights that ended friendships on message <laughs> boards. I mean, I'm like literally, literally like <laughs> friendships were ended, dude, like close friendships over the years. You know, I yeah. know, you know, that it's, you've yeah. seen, you know, it's happened to all of us. We've yeah. seen that and over, over that issue over, over whether Harvey Dent survived falling or broke his neck. Like, People just had that's this is not a new thing. And people, the only difference is we didn't used to have the same degree of social media and the organ, the ability with hashtagging and all that. If we'd had Twitter and hashtagging back then, you think this same shit wouldn't have been going on with every fandom every time this came up? You know, Absolutely. it would have been every time. What, what would a hashtag been when Michael Keaton was cast? Mr. Mom, not my Batman or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. think about the Star Wars prequels. You know, we live in this revisionist history where, where they were beloved when they came out. I'm glad they've gotten their due attention. I'm glad that people love them. Yeah. I, I love that. That's a fact. But it was not true at the time. It was as divisive as The Last Jedi. It just, right. you know, there was not hashtags to your larger point. Yep. Um I, uh, I'm going to ask you this quick question here, and I'm going to use this as the segue. Well, for, first, before I do, hold on. HBO Max Penguin stuff, are you excited for that? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Uh, and I'm. we'll talk about it more, but I'm excited for Penguin, and I'm excited for the promise of additional shows, as Matt Reeves intends and wants to do and agree and was you know, discussed and was brought in to do, mm -hmm. you know, all along. So I, I hope we also, and I want to get the Arkham Asylum show. I want eventually, I hope we get the Gotham Central show. I want as much of this, the Scarecrow show, Clayface, give me all of that, please. I want to see all of that. Yeah. And the Penguin, I am, the fact that it leads, to, it, it apparently, the story from the Penguin leads directly into the next Batman movie. It's like, it's the prequel. It's sort of the in between the movies that connects them. And that makes me even more excited. Cause I wasn't sure exactly how the show was going to play out or if it would be its own thing or what. So yeah, he's, I love it. He's one of my favorite things about that film. Oh, yes. I, mean, I, oh, yeah. I mean, he's so good. And that yeah. scene where he meets Batman for the first time. And that's where he meets Selena. She comes in with his money. 
that whole scene, I, I could just watch that scene over and over and over and over again. The stylization of it, the score, the film noir. Oh, yes. dude, it's so – and his performance is just – ridiculous talk about a chameleon man that guy just going for he's the real deal you know a lot of guys that are pretty boys like him aren't necessarily the ones that have the the chops and he's got it all that dude's awesome Um, have you seen the uh the making of thing where they're first doing the makeup on him and they've done it for the first time and he gets up out of the chair and they are doing a phone camera and he just goes into character right off off the cuff and it's like God, if you showed me that, I never would have. Colin Farrell never and asked me who it was. Colin Farrell, I never would have said that's Colin Farrell. And no, nope, and it would have said it. And what's great, he goes right into it, but you can also see that it even got better before they yes. actually filmed, right? Yes. You just see like that's a sort of stumble through rehearsal. Like there's more coming where this, yeah, right here. It's really that was the initial. Uh, uh, Al Capone from uh, the Untouchables movie version you know because that's one of the influences i think of on that penguin was robert de niro's uh portrayal of capone and i so and you can really see it in that moment in that scene it's yes like, boom it's al capone out of the enthusiasms <laughs> thing with the baseball bat you know it was yeah it was horrific oh it's so good so yeah i'm, I'm excited about that so I, well, this is going to be a batman 2 question and then what i want to do is i'll just tell you what the segue is I want to segue into the future of the DCEU, okay, and get your thoughts. And I'm going to just throw it at you. I know that we've we've texted some, and I kind of understand where you you had some ideas of this discussion. I would really like you to dive into into ramifications of box office, and I'll set that up more specifically. But here's my question about Batman 2. Are we getting a Robin in this universe? Because I know we're getting one in James Gunn universe. That's been established. We know that. But is Matt Reeves going to have a Robin? Uh. I made no secret of the fact that what I heard in the early days when the when his plans were being developed and when the script was being done, I heard that uh, Dick Grayson would be introduced in the universe that he that in general, the plan was to introduce Dick Grayson into the universe. Uh, So. Whether I, that holds true for this upcoming movie, my suspicion, I have a lot of concerns about how, even though I'm, I've also been pretty vocal about saying that I think we should need to give James Gunn and Peter Safran a chance. And, and I'm excited for what they're do- the stuff they've announced, even if I have questions about it. But I think it's possible that with Batman and Robin coming in Brave and the Bold for the DCU, I think it's possible that limitations have been put on Matt Reeves. And my fear is that we're only going to get a trilogy of films and that we're only going to get a couple of shows tying those films together. And that otherwise that's my fear. I'm not saying I've, I've explicitly heard that I've just, there's, there's, uh, there's some dots I'm connecting here, but I'm afraid I'm right. So James Gunn goes to Matt Reeves and says, the whole Robin thing, you got to 86 it because I've got Robin in my universe. And that, how are we going to have two of those really, even though they would, they could be obviously different Robins. I would assume Matt Reeves would start with uh, Dick Grayson, but I can see what yes. you're saying. I could see Matt Reeves kind of going, huh, eh, that might not work. Just let's do kind of a Nolan thing. And if you want to have a little symbolic Robin, like he did fine, but I've got Robin, Robin over here and the tights and the cape. Uh, but considering 
A, how stylistically different the films are, tonally different the films are, and the fact that we could have an origin story with Dick Grayson, whereas in James Gunn universe, I'm assuming Grayson is alive and well as Nightwing somewhere, right? Yes, he um, is. Right? <laughs> and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that, how that plays out. Um, God, it's such a fascinating time to be a Batman fan because obviously we have the Matt Reeves stuff that we're talking about. We have a sequel that's imminent. We have the flash that's coming out with Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, mind you. And then we have multiple versions of Batman's in that. Of <laughs> Correct. Batman's. Multiple. Correct. Ver- we'll Maybe see more than one version of them both. I think. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, I would assume we probably will. I, because I've had that conversation. I'm like that might that Batman that we're seeing in these previews might not necessarily be tim burton's batman per se and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and then obviously we'll have james gunn batman so it's it's a crazy time to be a batman fan but here's my question for you so i i understand under the new leadership that there's a game plan which is awesome but as you and i both know there was there's been game plans before and things get you know derailed right it all is based on the success of a film so if superman legacy for instance falls flat is dead in the water. It's going to be problematic for James Gunn's universe. I mean, obviously with that property, especially because let's face it, that property really hasn't been done justice on film since Superman two. And let me just say this. I like Superman returns fine. And I actually love man of steel. I'm not talking about personal preferences. Yes. I'm talking about yeah. audiences, critics, yes. you know, hitting in all cylinders. Right. So, yeah. um, so obviously it's all contingent on that, but what does happen if the flash is a huge success and it's a billion dollar plus and it's critics love it as much as people think it is. Is that really the last time we're going to see Michael Keaton's Batman or, and it's, it's, it's not just about this too, Mark. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the floor. It's a larger ramifications of box office from Aquaman two to Shazam to even Joker two. For, I mean, all of it. So just, if, I hope that's not too ambiguous. I'm going to just kind of no, put that no. in your lap and see if you, it's exactly just with that. the issue. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, is if you look at the last, like, what, five DC movies in a row have all grossed under $400 million, basically, mm-hmm. um, uh, of the the DCEU movies. They basically, we've had five straight that just severely underperformed, you know, or not the Shazam, it was a lower budget. It had lower marketing costs. So I think it turned out to be, it was, it did fine. It wasn't a blockbuster in the sense that, you know, of others, but generally speaking, you can't have five of your movies in a row doing under $400 million while Marvel superhero movies are doing still in the pandemic. Spider-Man is delivering 1.9 billion and $1.8 billion, you know, that's, that's if DC's best performance is still can't match the worst performances of Marvel's movies during a pandemic, then, you know, there's something wrong possibly on the, so that's, there's a reason that I think it's like, okay, well, obviously they need to start fresh and that makes sense. The logic there, but the problem is we've got flash coming. Uh, Well, first Shazam and Mm -hmm. Shazam is not tracking to do as strongly at this point as, uh, was hoped and expected, but these numbers still don't don't suggest that Shazam can't hit 500 million. So hypothetically, if Shazam does break 400 million, it'll be the first DC movie in like how many years now to, to do that. So if it hits four to 500 million, 
than the flash does a billion plus, which I think it will, honestly. I think if it's as good as everything I'm hearing and the stuff that we've seen publicly and some of the stuff behind the scenes that I've seen, I think they're not bullshitting on this. Uh, it it sounds like they've got, regardless of how anyone feels about anything about the movies, it's. I think it's going to do over a billion dollars. Then here comes Blue Beetle, which if The Flash just did uh, over a billion dollars, Blue Beetle could hit 500 million. Aquaman is almost certainly going to top a billion dollars at Christmas. And then comes The Batman 2, which has billion dollar potential like The Dark Knight did. And then The Joker 2 comes along and does a billion. If you've just had seven DC movies of this, like finally, this is Hamada's everything that has been leading up to this. These are the these are the moments. This is what Hamada's plan plan was all leading toward. Mm-hmm. This semi reboot with the Flash, and then all these movies. And if if you've got seven movies, and like five of those movies are doing a uh, billion dollars or more, and two of them hit five, four to five hundred million, are you really going to say, okay, now it's time to cancel that and start over? Right. Are you really going to just end that stuff? And I know they would say, we're not saying we're ending it. We're leaving the door open. But the fact is, we have the slate of projects that they're putting in production. We know what's coming. There's X amount of money to invest. There's X amount of years involved. This is what they're doing. And none of it continues the Flash or any of that other stuff. Now, that that doesn't preclude them from incorporating those characters or bringing them back. As they said, we're not closing the door. But I'm like... Yeah, but it's not it's it's just a jar at this point. <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not closed, but it's everything is looks like it's heading in that direction and the way it's being phrased and I I just I think that it's going to be difficult and it means if Superman as you said, Superman Legacy has to outperform Man of Steel at least. It needs to hit in the 7 and 800 million dollar range that Superman has not hit and have goodwill. You know, it does. It has to have critical success. It needs to have make fans happy and it needs to have that box office success. That's right. The fans happy is honestly the least important because when they when you you can't talk about fandom for the superheroes and comics without men meaning the mainstream public because the mainstream public are superhero and comic book fans if they're going to these movies. Well, maybe not technically comic, but you know what I mean. They're all fans. There's Batman fans everywhere who don't read the comics and that's those right. are part of fandom and that's the global yeah. fandom has to be happy. And, and they are the larger part of fandom when we talk about box office because as much right. as we like to pretend we, including you and I, that this little bubble within a bubble within a bubble that we are in this online Twitter, Facebook fandom, it is a minority within a minority within a minority. We can be really loud and we can make some damage with hashtags and we can we can cause a stir. There's no doubt about it. I've seen it with the Snyder stuff. I've seen yeah. it with Star Wars stuff. It's it's true. But it's still, albeit a loud vocal minority, it's still a minority. So you're right. So large, And that was the problem with Batman versus Superman. And uh, overall, I like that film. I don't hate it. I never did. There's things about it I can't stand. But there's, you know, it's a C plus movie for me, maybe even a B minus, depending on my mood. But uh, the problem was, is that, the general audiences were like, what is this? This is way too morose and weird for a Batman Superman movie. And they just didn't embrace it despite the box office, despite uh, 
you know, it having a passionate fandom and that's unfortunate. And I know that people about that film and uh, it's just an example, by the way. And and for me, I'm a last Jedi apologist to go back to star Wars. I mean, I love that movie, but I get it. I get it. It pissed off enough fans that they were so loud that Lucasfilm had to <laughs> respond somewhat. You just, you're, 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 you can't help it. But at the end of the day, to your larger point, the box office is really what matters. And if it hits a billion dollars or 800 or 900, but it still pisses off a faction of Twitter fandom, so be it, right? Um, but hitting on all yeah. cylinders is paramount, especially for Superman. That, proper, that property desperately needs it. But so this is all good stuff. So I guess here is I'm trying to think how to phrase this to you. So because I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I can't. I, I, part of what I'm thinking, Mark, and I can't shake it, is the plans that were initially set in place for Michael Keaton that he was, at least as I had heard, he was going to sort of be the de facto DCU Batman moving forward, at least yes. for a few projects. And obviously we know he was in Batgirl and that was 86, which is a whole other conversation for another yeah. day. <laughs> so, so let's just about him specifically for a moment. Flash does a billion plus. A, a on cinema score you know, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes critics, whatever, all, all hits on all cylinders. Is that it? We're done. He's, we, we never see him again. I just don't see how, I don't know, man, that's hard. That's a hard one to get my head wrapped around. Yeah. Um, everything was going in that direction. And that's your, I mean, that's everything I heard. Uh, and I, it's no secret. I think everybody knows the plan mm -hmm. was Michael Keaton was going to become Batman in the DCU. And he was going to sort of be like the Nick Fury. He'd be the value added element that would be brought to other things as like a strategist. And he'd, he'd suit up as Batman. Sometimes he'd be Bruce Wayne, but he'd be a value added element. And Batgirl would drive the franchise. Batgirl was going to be the Bat family solo franchise. And then uh, Supergirl was going to be the take things forward for the Kryptonian side instead of Superman for a while. Um, that's, now, an I, that's another great thing to bring up. What happens with her if the film does well? Yeah, I mean, it looks she looks great. And here's the question: Looking at how things are right now, okay, okay. If they had to course, and I'm just I'm throwing this at the wall. This is, I mean, I'm admittedly I'm pulling this out of my ass, okay, right now. <laughs> but and I'm and case, it's all I ever I, do. <laughs> I apologize for my squinted eyes and my fidgetiness. I have uh, I have chronic back pain and I'm on a lot of marijuana right now <laughs> to manage it so that I don't use opioids or other stuff. Um, Good for you. So I went down that uh, road. Don't do it. Good for you, man. Hopefully it's it. Hopefully it's not obvious other than the fact that I'm squinting at my my camera light thing here. <laughs> well, you're doing great, um, man. But if you look at the plans they have, Superman Legacy introducing a new Superman, uh, they have a Supergirl movie on the on on deck and planned. Hypothetically, if this year's movies just like blow the box office doors off and it's like boom, boom, boom. If hypothetically Gunn and Saffron say we are rethinking things and seeing if how maybe to bring more forward than we had originally planned. Hypothetically, could you transition Supergirl? Uh, the super they have a Supergirl movie coming. You could do that. You could switch it and say, okay, we're going to continue it forward with from the Flash, and it'll be a spinoff from the Flash. Brave and the Bold. Well, could you convince? I mean, you could still have Michael Keaton's Batman bring in Batgirl. 
And there's a lot of ways you could build that bat family and then the brave and the bold. It's like, well, I, I don't think Affleck's coming back, period. And I don't think he wants to come back just to be clear to fans. So uh, this draft Affleck thing that's going on, I don't think there's much point to. But hypothetically, could they offer just a Brinks truck full of money to Ben Affleck and say, look, would you come back and be Batman with Damien in, and have your son Damien in Brave and the Bold? and then we will kill off or erase your Batman and Dick Grayson will take over as Batman with Damien going forward in the DCU, the new version of the DCU. I could see Ben Affleck agreeing and saying, all right, guys, things are going okay now. I'm, I'm, I'm in a better place with all of this, which we won't go into. Maybe he would agree to come in and do Brave and the Bold as a handoff movie. Hypothetically, there's a way they could shift is what I'm saying. So hundred percent. He may be asked to direct it. Yeah. I mean, there's, and he's, well, it, that's, I've suspected from day one and I've, I've kind of banged the drum in the Forbes articles telling people don't be shocked if James Gunn directs Superman and Ben Affleck directs the brave and the bold, because that would certainly be an interesting turn of events. I don't know whether Ben Affleck will want to direct brave and the bold. We'll see, but uh, it'd be cool because if they're doing it, from the standpoint of those uh, uh, Grant Morrison's run, yep. Grant Morrison took a lot of times. He took a very like spy thriller, James Bond approach in his stories a little bit. And that was Bat Bruce Wayne and Batman in the Ben Affleck movie. Some of the influence of that, you know, everybody knows the game and James, there was a little bit of James Bond inspiration behind the idea. So that's not that tough of a fit actually. No, I like Dick Grayson as Batman. I like uh, I like when Gordon turns around and he's still standing there. He's like, "I gotta get used to this." <laughs> some great, some yeah. great, great moments in comics yeah. with that. <laughs> I don't want to start any conspiracy theories or hashtags that suggest that they're going to do that. I'm saying hypothetically, if all the the stuff makes a billion dollars per movie almost and then the new superman movie underperforms hypothetically i can see where warner brothers discovery leadership might step in and say look <laughs> our goal was to perform at the marvel level and right now we're actually outperforming marvel because they've barely been able to break a billion and we've had a run of billion dollar movies all of a sudden so i could see the pressure being on gun and saffron to consider tweaking their plans and then bring back and let Patty Jenkins make her Wonder Woman three and for Paradise Lost to be more in line with her plans for the Amazon spinoff. Like a prequel theories, yeah. all yeah. of that stuff. It's not, and I'm gun is smarter than I am, but he's been doing this. He's a professional. He probably is very keenly aware of everything I'm saying here. And that may be baked into the ideas. Look, it's, we don't plan to use Batman and Superman from this universe. But if shit goes crazy, then sure. Are they so rigid they would just on principle refuse? I don't think so. So I'm sure they realize there's a potential that some pressure could come to bear. And we'll yeah, see. Maybe I'm, we'll yeah, I'm curious. I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of the board meetings. Like <laughs> they somewhat quasi hoping like, man, we want flash to do really well, but we want it to not quite do as well. as <laughs> You know what I mean? Like just do well enough, but not so well. Where we're going now we're stuck with this thing and we can't, 
who knows? You know, one thing I have learned over the years, I used to have pretty, you, you mentioned rigid. I'm going to use that word. It's a great word. I had some rigid opinions about a lot of this stuff. And I, I, mm-hmm. I got myself pigeonholed because, you know, the, the, the past is prologue, right? And we can, when you look at things that have happened, you want to say, well, this is a, that is a, a, the catalyst or the starting point for things that will happen. But so much has changed in this world that it's so unpredictable. And here's a couple of examples. Remember back in the day when Chris Reeve couldn't get work after Superman because he was typecast? Right. That doesn't happen anymore. In this day and age, he could have retired retired as Superman and gone to be, you know, a Batman beyond Bat Bruce Wayne or a, <laughs> an older Tony Stark and another whatever, right? You've got to I mean, look at yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Brandon Routh coming back to play Superman, uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire coming back around in a major motion picture to play Spider-Man again. When the sp- current Spider-Man is kicking ass and taking names on yeah. every man. Every- <laughs> so like, there's no rules anymore. And the Snyder cut getting released. And, you know, I, I can say this, yeah. we, we had private conversations leading up to that. And you're like, you, you were basically warning me, like I would tone down your, it's not going to happen rhetoric because I think it's going to. And it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So there are, there are, I, at this point, I'm like, I don't take anything off the table. So this is going to be a lot of wait and see, and it's going to be some bittersweet stuff. I think for the filmmakers in the, in the studio too, depending on how well these things do and, or how well they don't. But at the end of the day, what is true is that, man, what an exciting time to be along for this ride. Right. Because yeah, guys, guys like you and I have been waiting for, so much of this stuff to see the light of day for so many years. Knock on wood. Is there wood around me somewhere? Yeah. There we go. I'm that, knocking on it here. Too. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that it happens. So um, I've got you for a few more minutes. So let's, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. What, what, what is your expectations as a fan of Superman for Superman legacy based on, well, just based on everything based on the history of, of Superman on film and, and just what your personal desires are once. It is not hard for me at all to imagine uh, what Superman is probably going to look like. Actually, if you've read Grant Morrison's Superman stories, um, then I think you can look at all-star Superman. And I think you can look at uh, also actually Superman for all seasons, which is not Grant Morrison, but which is uh, Loeb, Jeff Loeb. Uh, those stories I think are going to have a powerful influence on the storytelling the brightness and the colorfulness and certain things that Superman represents certain plot points and characterizations, uh, which if you, if you look at Grant Morrison's Superman and combine that with uh, Superman for all seasons, then what you get is something that's not too far off from what Superman and Superman, the movie and Superman two, the first two Christopher Reeve Superman movies which are the closest thing to a DC movie in made like a Marvel movie that exists. And the reason is those two movies are the template. And no, everyone forgets Kevin Feige was loud about the fact that, and oh yes, the, the template was established perfectly the first time out with Superman the movie and Superman 2. Those established the superhero genre. They established the template, the tone, everything that is the perfect way for us to adapt our Marvel characters. And you can see that if you think about it, like, oh, yeah, those movies, if you updated Superman the movie and Superman 2, that's pretty much Marvel, the the same kind of approach. So the Marvel approach started as a DC approach. 
And I think that's we're going to get something akin to a much bigger spectacle level with with a, a better sense of humor because some of the humor in those movies kind of is dated now, obviously, and it was more camp. And I don't think James Gunn is entirely camp, but his Guardians of the Galaxy give and and Suicide Squad give you a good glimpse of his sense of humor. So if you imagine that humor in Superman and Superman Two, then I think that's what we're going to essentially have. That's and a very interesting perspective spectacle. because a lot of that humor, especially in the second one, obviously came from Richard Lester. And then Superman three was a full on Richard Lester Superman mm -hmm. film. Um, but yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, one of the things I point to uh, in terms of him directing Superman is if you watch the Guardians of the Galaxy films, there's a lot of heart. It's very sweet. Oh, yes. Very sweet and very charming and like kind of, you know, it tickles that that, well, tickles is the right word. It certainly uh, resonates with me on a, on a soulful level. There's times I'm like getting yeah. choked up and it's emotional. It's really beautiful stuff. And if he can apply that ability of that style, of that ability, the way he writes to capture those kind of moments in a Superman film, he could have a home run on his hands and we might have a Superman film for the ages. I think um, it'll be a hit. I mean, my, I yeah. think it will. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be a big movie. Superman deserves it. It, the last two actors that have played him are are great and there's nothing wrong with their performances. And and there's things I love about all the films with Brandon yeah. Routh and with Henry Cavill. Yep. Most, most definitely, but it is time for us to have a home run and to have sort of a definitive Superman film that's universally loved much like the original one. And that's not to say to copy it. They're not going to try to copy Richard Donner or Richard Lester or whatever. And, or, or Chris Reeve. I think that Brian Singer made that mistake. Actually. I think that was the original sin of Superman returns was making it a, a, a more or less a sequel to Superman two, but um, with that, with a new fresh vision, I think we've got something really cool around the hopefully, hopefully all the stuff just sort of works out where the flash yeah. does great. Aquaman two does great. And to your larger point that we can see, let's let's, I'd love to see Patty Jenkins come back and do another Wonder Woman film. I liked Wonder Woman 84 fine, by the way, but even if I you did. don't, that, but you, the first one we all love and she can do that again. She can make another great one. And I, I hope she gets an opportunity to do it. Um, all right. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a, but before I let you run, I'm going to do a quick star Wars thing, but before I do, and I promise you, give me like two okay. minutes. I will make it fast. Yeah, no problem. Give, give me some closing thoughts on, on all this for, for uh, the DCU moving forward. I think that uh, I, I, James Gunn's movies speak to me very personally, and a lot of his background reminds me of a lot. There's a lot of stuff that reminds me of things that I went through growing up and as a kid and influences as well. So uh, even though I was sad to see Snyder's approach and what he had planned not move forward, I also love, I love Snyder's movies, but I also love James Gunn's movies. I love, I think he has great sensibilities and I can love the Snyder verse and the, the DCEU and also recognize that no longer is what audiences want. I, I don't need everybody to agree with me and like what I like. So I can accept that, okay, we still got like, we're going to have what, 16 movies in this DCEU. There's a version of the DCEU grounded and founded on Snyder's vision, mostly adhering and carrying that forward. You can take that and you've got a whole thing. And now we're going to get something else that may or may not incorporate it. I'm excited to see how that plays out. I think Superman's going to be a big hit. I think what I what I expect the new Batman to be like is uh, I, yeah. I, I'm you mean, afraid to say it out loud, but I think the James Gunn Batman... Okay. 
the brave and the bold. I think it's going to be, it, it won't be dissimilar perhaps to a revival of what the old TV series used to do, except without the, the humor will be more serious. It'll be better humor. It won't be quite as just daytime colorful, but I don't think it'll be dissimilar either. I think it'll take kind of a more family approach and be a more fun action adventure type of Batman with a lot more gadgets and stuff. And I think that's fine. I've had, I already had my Batman several times, versions of Batman I love. I'm, I'm fine to see this version of Batman. You know, I well, like that the animated Brave and the Bold series, sure. even though I loved it wasn't the approach I usually prefer for Batman. I like Batman. I'll, I'll watch him do anything. <laughs> sure. And to be fair, it'll coexist with James Gunn anyway. And when, when we talked about the potential restrictions that James Gunn might could have, just it's just we're just guesstimating here. But um, the flip side of that is that because the Matt Reeves universe is the way it is, grounded, gritty, that could also give James Gunn more freedom to say, well, since we have this over here, I can be a little more goofy and satirical or whatever on this side because we've right. got this. And so I can have more fun and yeah. that could be, a, that could end up being a plus if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so it's all about juxt sense. It's all about juxtaposing what's out there already. Right. With to your, to your larger point. Yeah. Um, all right, buddy. That's a great discussion, man. I, I, I yeah, really appreciate yeah. it before I let you run though, because we haven't talked. Thanks Star for Wars. Oh dude. Anytime. Thanks for coming on. Um, and please come back. But Star uh, Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> so I just want to throw this at you real quick. I just want to get your sort of initial reaction. I don't care okay. if it's two sentences or a paragraph, whatever you want to do. I know where you stand on the sequel trilogy. I know where you stand on Star Wars in general. But we have never texted my knowledge or talked about anything Disney+. Plus. So The Mandalorian. Are you a fan? I'm a big fan. I'm a yeah. big fan of... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be controversial as the... The guy I like, I like the man. I, I think the Mandalorian's great. I love it. Uh, I like Book of Boba Fett, uh, including the early episodes. I think it's great. I did too. Every it's fans awesome. who are acting like they're disappointed and thought that the early episodes they didn't like it and it was all that. I'm sorry, but this is literally the exact Boba Fett show that we spent 30 years, all of us as fans, constantly talking about wanting to see him like survive the pit and he gets out and how he heals and then goes back and takes over. How is getting the exact show you long wanted suddenly now is like it didn't it wasn't what people like. I'm sorry. I don't get where you're coming from. I like that show. I love uh, it, too. I'm a big fan of, uh, and I think Andor's the probably the best thing besides Rogue One that we've had. Those two things together are, are the two best things Star Wars we've had uh, in the modern era of Star Wars, in my opinion. It's fair. Um, I was, I think Obi-Wan is fine. I think it's fine. It has some good moments. Uh, I was honestly less thrilled by it than a lot of folks were I had because I had such high hopes for it to be something I think, which isn't necessarily fair. It wasn't. So I should rewatch it, but I was a little disappointed by Obi-Wan's characterization. A lot of the time princess Leia was great and I didn't expect that. And that worked out really well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, Generally, I've loved the Disney Plus stuff. I think the Marvel stuff is all just like, I think they're knocking it out of the park. And I think people are crazy who hate She-Hulk or who hate Moon Knight or any of that. Yeah. I think it's all, I don't know what you're talking about because we live in an era that we could only have dreamed of having stuff this good when we were growing. Even right. as teenagers, as young adults, 
I did not think we would ever get anything remotely like this. It's no, ridiculous. The content's great, and I've said it before. I think that, of riches. I think Lucasfilm has done a fantastic job under new leadership, and everybody, everybody likes to say Disney, and that's fine. Disney owns it, but to me, it's it's, yeah. it's Lucasfilm, and yeah. a lot of the people that Lucas himself put in place are the ones that are running the show. Right. Um, I mean, that's just the uh, fact of the matter. Let me ask you a quick question about Obi Wan. Um, I, I obviously liked it more than you did, but I understand where you're coming from. It was definitely different. Uh, I think for me. I think the stuff with Leia really worked because I was expecting that to be Luke. And I assume they yes. probably ditched that because of the Mandalorian, because it was yeah. already this father son dynamic. And so they probably shifted gears. I don't have any firsthand information on that. Just again, guessing, but that worked real well. But what it sets I sets up a princess Leia spinoff as well, which I think, you know, sure. That's well, obviously yeah. coming. <laughs> it, it, it goes to the, it goes to a new hope when Luke walks in and says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. She's like, Ben Kenobi, where, where is he? And then, you know, <laughs> she names her son, Ben, like it all just makes sense now. But, um, but let's, but I think we both could agree. You and McGregor gave a beautiful performance and, uh, yeah, it was great. And it was great to see Hayden Christensen get redeemed. He was great. Yes. In it. I was you very talk- pleased by that. I like, you- I like Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, you and I have talked about that over the years a million times. I think I've harassed you. Hey, Hayden Christensen, come back. Hayden, if, I, if, if I put in Hayden Christensen in our text thread back to 2014, it'll be every conversation. But do you think that we'll see? I think we'll get Hayden Christensen again and uh, so yep. Do you think we'll see him uh, again? Absolutely. I think we will see both of them again. Uh, I don't think we'll see them cross paths again uh, unless somebody loses their mind at Lucasfilm. (laughs) But I think we will see, I think we will definitely see Darth Vader again. And I think we probably see Obi-Wan, but maybe not. But I think more likely to see a Darth Vader one. And I'm just going to put a, I want to give a big shout out. If you have not read the Star Wars comics from Marvel, the new ones that are in continuity with the new stuff, they went back and when it started, they did a whole run of filling in the gaps between the original trilogy films and then doing an Obi-Wan, like what Obi-Wan was doing on Tatooine series, and then a whole bunch of Darth Vader with Vader down and some other stuff. It's fucking great. And it's, just, <laughs> it's and I'm not exaggerating. It's better, in my opinion, than any. It's better than. It's. Oh, boy, I'm going to say it. It's better than, and I like all of the new Star Wars movies to varying degrees. I love the, I think the Force, is, the Force Awakens is great. I like The Last Jedi, despite some things that I, and my complaints are different than most people's. And I even, I, I like, I think they did what they had to and, and to bring it kind of to a close and did what, and succeeded pretty much uh, as well as could be expected with The Rise of Skywalker. And, uh, but that said, these comics are better than any of the the new revival films, in my opinion, except for Rogue right. One, which still is great. You could take these comics and adapt them into animation or into live action and do a whole Star Wars series of just Star Wars original trilogy and filling in between the movies, which I think is someday they should reboot the whole thing and go back and do those. I know everyone hates me for saying it. But there's so many stories to tell. The idea of never getting any of that is crazy. We just do. They, I think they could do it. And we've seen that it's possible with Luke appearing now in, you know, Book of Boba Fett and stuff. You can do that. Uh, yeah. So it's an exciting time. Well, it's ex- it's an exciting time to be a Batman fan, an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan, an exciting time to be a Marvel DC fan. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your insight, oh, your Thank enthusiasm. You 
and I hope you feel better, man. We're, we're, oh, thank we're, you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're, I will. I feel, and I'm going to go smoke some more. So I'm going to feel even better in a few minutes. <laughs> there you go. Well, enjoy California, my friend. You can't do All that right. quite here in Texas yet, but I'm going to come see you soon. I was there last year, but my wife, we're in and out. So next time I'm there, I'm, and I know you're not getting out much, but maybe by the time we're, we come around that, uh, that, that you can, you will, but good to see yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right where can people, we're, 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 I know you kind of plugged at the top of the show, but kind of give us another plug and where people can find you. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, you can find me. I'm a contributing writer at Forbes. So if you go to Forbes.com backslash sites, S I T E S backslash Mark Hughes, my name, which is right here, uh, then it'll take you to, and you can go through all my articles there. Uh, and you can find me, my, me and Phil have a podcast called what's worth watching and it's at what's worth what's worth watching podcast.podbean.com. So at Podbean, we're what's worth watching podcast. Um, and you can find me on Twitter where <laughs> you probably don't want to, but you can, <laughs> if you're a masochist, uh, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Mark Hughes films. That's F I L M S. Uh, and, uh, I, I talk about movies and, and argue with fans about random stuff and talk about uh, why Nazis shouldn't exist. And that kind of thing. So if you want to get real controversial, I don't like Nazis. So I was kind of really. hoping you, I was hoping you would, uh, well, Hey, that's the origin of all these comics anyway, man. Captain America right. was punching Nazis. Let's, let's get this. It's yeah. all a part of history. <laughs> all right. On behalf of myself, Brian Chatlin, Courtney Cheek, we're the friends from work. Thanks for watching. Follow us everywhere. I uh, yeah, iTunes. Yeah, download us on iTunes. But Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and wherever great podcasts can be found. Rick, shoot over now. We're gonna have Freak Base right now. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of the Friends from Work Let's Chat podcast. Tune in each week as we discuss all things pop culture, and you may catch a special guest or two. Be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and subscribe wherever you get great podcasts. I'm Courtney Cheek, and on behalf of myself, Rick Shu, and Brian Chatlin, we are the Friends from Work. We thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Freak Face, take us out. Get down.